everybody, and welcome to another My Ruby Story. This week, we're talking to Andrew Mason. Andrew, do you want to say hi? Hey, everybody. Now, I have not done a good job of, A, onboarding Andrew, and B, um, announcing that he's our newest Ruby Rogues panelist, but Andrew's our newest Ruby Rogues panelist. Yay. Uh, so you want to introduce people real quick to who you are, what you do, all that good stuff? I mean, you already said my name, Andrew Mason. I'm a junior Ruby on Rogues panelist. Uh, I started working as a Ruby on Rails dev, I think in May this year, right after I graduated college. And I like to get involved in the community. I like to do open source and I'm constantly trying to level up my skills. And that's pretty yeah. much all I do. Yeah, I have to say one of the things that I like to try and do with a lot of the shows is just have that perspective of somebody who's newer. Um, you know, you, you ask questions that we old folks don't think of asking, right? Because we just take it for granted. And, oh, yeah. uh, you know, you're still figuring some stuff out and sometimes you have a fresh perspective. So, you know, we either get one or the other, right? We either explain something in depth or, or we kind of go, I think about that that way. So it's well, good. I am fresh bait, so I'm <laughs> usually asking the questions, not knowing them. Hey, it's all good. This episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So, if you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at sentry.io. Um, I'm, I'm a little curious as we get started. Um, and this is a question I ask all the panelists, but how did you get into programming? I was always into computers. I came from a pretty traditional computer science background. I was into computers when I was younger. Uh, when I was in middle school, I did an after school program that focused on kind of tearing computer parts apart and mm -hmm. building up computers. And then we would give them to people in need. Oh, and that's cool. Oh yeah. It was an awesome program. I mean, looking back on it, I didn't really truly understand it then, but now as I've grown older, I'm like, that it was an awesome program to truly give, you know, access to internet access to people who really couldn't afford it and really wouldn't have had that opportunity otherwise. Yep. And yeah, you're opening up the world to people. I mean, Oh yeah. Especially back then, I guess this was a couple, it was multiple years ago. So it was still when, a lot of people are still getting new computers still. I mean, we were selling or not, not really selling more like donating these, uh, these Dell like computers. I, I remember carrying them upstairs. They were huge and they were heavy. Uh, nice. Yeah. But after that, I, in high school, I took two computer science classes. I was always just kind of good with computers and I always was interested in how they worked and learning about them. So in high school, I took a programming class. It was the only computer science class that was offered at the school, and I had to take it online. And it was a Visual Basic course, and I absolutely loved it. And then 
shortly after I took a, a Java class still in high school and didn't like it as much, but still kind of, I really enjoyed the, the challenge it presented, I guess. I, I didn't, never truly felt that challenged in high school or I was either challenged and not interested or not challenged. I, it kind of felt like, mm-hmm. so I did that. And then I did a little bit of HTML in college. I mean, in high school, just enough to kind of understand it. And then I went into college as a computer science undergrad and never really looked back. I took computer science courses all throughout, learned Python, learned more Java, uh, MySQL, PHP, and a couple other languages, or dabbled at least in a couple of other languages, including Fortran 75, I think. <laughs> That's a language that is older than both of us. Oh, yeah. And it is hard to find Stack Overflow questions on it. I will mention that. Yeah. Yeah, the 75 means it came out in... 75 yep so that that's older vintage than i am oh yeah so i guess in college i was i kind of wanted to do uh vr and ar and i didn't really get into programming until i guess junior senior year i was i started working i wanted i needed a new way to make money because the job that i was working at currently i was making very good money i was a manager and I had a whole team of people under me, but I absolutely hated the company. I hated the culture. I hated going to work. My grades were suffering and I needed something else to do. So I picked up an internship actually as a graphic designer and I started learning web design because I wanted, I enjoyed doing web design and I thought it was fun and I could finally take some pride in what I was doing. It wasn't just something non I mean the computer science curriculum was very theoretical and I I didn't want theory I wanted to see something I wanted to do something I wanted to be there in front of me so I started picking up web design and quickly realized that the way my brain was oriented I was just not good at designing the interfaces I was terrible even copying people it still looked like trash to me I mean I have a terrible perfectionism um, habit. So right. I actually picked up an internship as a graphic designer at a company that was a rail shop, essentially. Mm-hmm. And through that graphic design internship, they offered me a job as a graphic designer. And I said, no, I'm not interested. I was like, I love it here, but I want to do computer science. You know, that's my major. And they said, well, we have a development team. And they gave me an interview with the development team. And they asked me some Ruby on Rails questions. That was one of the, I had heard of it before, but never really got into it. And they said, well, if you would like to take an internship in our technology department doing Ruby on Rails, uh, we would be interested in letting you join. And that's really kind of where I hit my stride with programming. And I started learning Ruby on Rails and all the accompanying languages and things like that. And yeah, that's pretty much how I got where I am today. Yeah, it's funny because uh, the way that you describe that, right? I mean, I'm a computer engineering major. or Well, I'm a computer engineering graduate now, I guess. <laughs> but uh, yeah, And that, that was a long time ago. That was 12 years ago when I graduated from college. But yeah, I mean, I had been doing programming here and there and whatever. And it never really clicked until, yeah, I, I 
it was right before I found Rails. Um, a friend of mine showed me LampStack, which was uh, Linux, or Linux, Apache, uh, MySQL, and um, PHP. Mm-hmm. And I started building an app in it, and I was like, oh, this is cool. And then I ran into Rails, and I was like, this is cool. And I like do, you know, and I like right. the language, right? Yep, not and, PHP. I, I, I'm not trying to knock PHP, but it, I just you know, Ruby just clicked for me, and so yeah, it was you know, it, yeah, it's that it's that thing, right? You kind of get to the right place, and then it's like, yeah, this is where I belong, right? Definitely agree. So um, I'm curious as as you've kind of progressed. Um, what kinds of things have you done with Ruby and, and what are you excited about with Ruby? So as I mentioned, my first real introduction to Ruby was Rails. I mean, my job as a intern, aside from some automation stuff that I got into just by happenstance, my job was to pretty much learn Ruby on Rails and with the intent that they would, if I was good enough, they would hire me at the end of the internship for a Mm -hmm. full-time job because they were looking for rails developers. I mean, I live in Wilmington, North Carolina, UNCW, uh, university of North Carolina, Wilmington is the biggest college here. They do not teach Ruby. They do not teach rails. They teach very antiquated Python. I mean, not Python PHP. I mean, aside from a couple other languages, but Oh, wow. Oh yeah. When I did it, it was Java. Java was the big thing when I went to college. So I did, PHP is older, I'm pretty sure. So it started, I started in computer science one with Python. I picked that up pretty easily because I'd already learned Java. So I was like, oh, this is cake. And then the second courses were in the second and third, I think, were in Java. And then I took a, I think it was a database course. It was a database course and a web applications course. And they were all done by a lady who only knew PHP. And she knew it pretty well. So that's how I got into PHP. But I did not love PHP. I think maybe if I had done a bit of a different route, if I had been exposed to Linters and Laravel and things like that, it might have gone a little bit better. But I was doing gross PHP. And I knew it was gross just because I was like, I feel like there has to be a better way to do this. Yeah, I hear you there. I have a neighbor that does Laravel and... Um, occasionally, you know, we, we do the framework where it's all in good fun. Um, we're, we're good friends, but, um, you know, he'll come to me and he'll, he'll be like, did you know that Laravel does this? And I always get to smile at him because about, about 75% of the time when he tells me about some cool feature Laravel has, I look at him and I go, yeah, Rails invented that. <laughs> <coughs> yeah, I think that was fun for me because when I was a senior, my last year, my last semester at college, I was had just recently started this internship learning Rails. I was in an office with two Rails developers all day long um, that I was at the office. And it came time to do our capstone project. And I was like, I'm obviously going to do this in Rails. I was like, everything that I know everyone else is in this class is going to produce is going to be in PHP or some weird Python, Java mix-up that I don't even want to think about. So I did it in Rails, and I brought two or three guys, I guess, were in my group, and I said at the very beginning, hey, I know I'm not the team leader, but 
I would really like to do this in Rails. Here's all, here's my pitch for it. I was like, if you guys are into it, I mean, we can do it. And we pumped out, well, I should say me because my other guys ended up being pretty hardcore slackers. But at the end of the semester, <laughs> I pumped out a pretty impressive web application that my teacher was ended up showing to her colleagues as an example of like her teaching ability and stuff. Nice. Very nice. So uh, what, what kinds of things have you done in Ruby and Rails? Uh, I learned Rails first and then started backtracking into Ruby just kind of recently, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, as of late, outside of you know my normal Rails work at work, I have been trying to get into open source. Mm-hmm. I've been working on gems recently. I've been trying to uh, contribute to open source gems. I've been working closely with a buddy that I also work with on a gem called Release Notes. And that was really my first intro to Ruby that wasn't a Rails project. And this guy that I was working with is a very experienced, very good programmer. I never have seen anything like it. And I think in the office, we all joke about him as a wizard, but (laughs) we worked on this gem together after work and got it to, it's basically creates a change log from your Git from your git log based mm-hmm. on uh you know your commit messages and things like that it can pull out uh keywords and categorize and create a change log file for you so that was kind of my first intro into just plain ruby and i was hooked and i've been playing around with different creating different gems trying to contribute to other open source gems and just play with creating plain old ruby scripts outside of just rails Yep. That's awesome. Um, and, and what you're describing, I mean, um, in, in Ruby's and rails heyday, you know, when everybody was doing rails, um, that was pretty common too. I mean, people would come in for the rails and then they'd start learning Ruby itself, right? Figure out what parts were rails conventions and what parts were, you know, Ruby semantics and man, people as passionate as they got about rails and oh look at all this stuff i can get done and look how amazing this is they get into ruby and they'd be like this language this language oh this language is so amazing oh yeah yeah i mean that that was it right that that's what that that's kind of the sense of wonder that i feel like i want to get back to with ruby on uh, or ruby rogues is just, um, you know, just to kind of capture that. And I think we do to some degree, you know, we still have it. But, I mean, the the other panelists and I, we've all been doing Ruby for so long now that we take a lot of it for granted. And, you know, and so it, it, it's just kind of hard to, to really capture. So, yeah, I, I love that. Yeah, I think that was kind of my elevator pitch to you when I was trying to get on the Ruby Rogues, I was like, I'm young, I know nothing, I am proud to know nothing, but I want to learn, and you guys have been doing this for so long, and I feel like I could add a perspective that's like, okay, you guys just said this very complicated word, and I have no idea what it means, and probably a lot of other people are like, what did they just say? So that was kind of my, what I was trying to seek when I reached out to you about joining the Rogues. Yeah, we actually had a panelist um wasn't on the original panel but pretty close um who yeah every term that came up can you define that yeah and and yeah that's important as well especially making it uh, approachable for people who don't have a lot of experience 
This episode is brought to you by TripleByte. Applying to programming jobs sucks. You have to put the right keywords in your resume. You spend hours and hours on the phone screens and take home projects. And that's assuming the company even responds to your application. Well, if you're a software engineer, TripleByte can help. They work with over 400 top tech companies from big names like Dropbox and Adobe to exciting startups. You do one brief online interview with them. And if you do well, you go straight to final interviews with the company on their platform. It's like the common app for software developers. TripleByte does not look at your resume or where you went to school. All they care about is if you can code. I've helped dozens of software developers with various credentials get jobs, and this looks like a terrific way for you to get in and get interviewed and get a job without a lot of the hassle and overhead. You can go check them out at triplebyte.com slash elixir. That's triplebyte.com, byte as in eight bits. As a special offer for listeners of this show, if you take a job through Triplebyte, they'll offer you a $1,000 signing bonus. So I, I guess the next question I have for you is what are you working on now? I'm working on a couple gems in my spare time. I have this problem where I, it is hard for me to finish things. I have you know terrible ADHD, so finishing things is always a challenge. Starting them is pretty easy, but right now I'm working. I'm still working on the release notes gem with my buddy from work. I'm working on a a concept that's pretty similar to the Rails Composer. I'm pretty, I know you've heard of that because you guys interviewed the guy who invented I, the name slips in my mind, but I'm working on a similar idea to that. Right. And I'm working on a couple of random things. Um, just trying to level up my skill, find areas that I haven't been exposed to yet. And, you know, just find something that I think is fun. Yeah. Well, and, and that's typically, I mean, what you just talked about, those are the kinds of things that, that drive growth, right? Um, I mean, for me, it was pretty early in my career when Ruby Rogue started. And so I grew a lot just by having conversations with people, right? Just talking through right. ideas. But yeah, I mean, all of the rest of the things, it's building things. It's the, you know, all the things that you're talking about there. And just, yeah, just kind of finding a place to settle where I like kind of staking out the ground and going, okay, we're going to do something awesome here. Yeah, definitely. I mean, because I, like I said, I, I did not learn Ruby in school. I wasn't exposed to it at all. I didn't even know it existed until pretty late in my college career. So I'm completely self-taught. I'm All I know is things I've learned on tutorials, things I've picked up in books, uh, podcasts, and, you know, just tutorials and blog posts and things like that, and just starting to hack at stuff. And I think recently I can almost see like a change in how I'm progressing in my career because I've stopped just following tutorials. Cause that was what I did for months on end, just tutorial yeah. after tutorial. And now I'm more like, okay, I want to do this thing. How do I do this thing? And kind of working my way through that. It's been real fun. So yeah. Um, I don't know if I have any other direct questions. How do people find you online? Uh, you can find me at Andrew M codes pretty much everywhere. I I have a website that I'm on my fifth or sixth iteration of. It's andrewmason.me. Um, I want to start blogging in the future, but haven't gotten there yet. I'm kind of trying to work my way up there incrementally. Uh, that's pretty much where you can find me. I'm on Twitter. I love Twitter. Uh, I only follow people in tech, and I block a lot of the words that kind of make Twitter more of a hate ground than anything. So 
I find that to be pretty good. Yep, I hear that. Um, do you have some picks for us? Yeah, actually, I got two for you. I, like I said earlier, I did do some graphic design, but I'm still terrible at it. And I love animations and graphics in websites. So one website I found recently is called undraw.com. Mm-hmm. And they have free illustrations that are open source and they're really good. And I've been slapping them into some websites recently and they look awesome. So that would be number one. And number two is, uh, I don't know if you're into the black mirror seasons and episodes on Netflix, but recently they came out with an, the Netflix interactive called Bandersnatch. And I have been hooked on that recently. So I would definitely call that for a second pick. Nice. Um, I'm going to do some picks more in line with how my week's gone. Uh, so the first pick is modern medicine and antibiotics. I just, uh, <laughs> Andrew and I chatted before the show, but yeah, I've, I've had kind of a, a bad week. Um, and what's funny is I actually drove to Las Vegas and back that way, um, which was no fun. It's a five or six hour drive. Ooh. And uh, yeah, so anyway... Um, and it, just to give some illustration of why that was awesome is, uh, my other pick. So, um, if you're having trouble sitting and I did not do this while I was driving back. So, you know, I was, I was, so, I was sore and hurting the whole time. Um, uh, you can get one of those inflatable donut pillows. They really do work. They don't work for all kinds of, uh, back pain and, you know, whatever, but they definitely help if you have an area um, on your uh, back door that... <laughs> That's a good uh, way of putting it. That, that, you know, that you don't want to put any pressure on. They, they seem to work pretty well for that. And that's kind of where I've been for the last couple of days. Um, and uh, yeah, so the $4 donut pillow at Walmart. Um, my wife picked that up for me. I love her. Um, and then I'm sitting on a purple pad. And I just barely got that. But what's interesting with everything else that I'm talking about here, and, and I guess I'm sort of, uh, you, know, uh, you know, with a slant eye picking, uh, be healthy, please, be healthy. <laughs> um, uh, the, the purple pad, I, I've really liked them for a while. I didn't really feel like I wanted to buy one per se because, um, you know, my, my office chair has been pretty comfortable and I just haven't felt the need. Um, but I've been having health problems for about a month and a half and they're all related to the same kind of thing. And so, um, I was in pain before, so I just ordered it and it showed up when I was in Las Vegas, of course. Um, but yeah, I, I really like those. If you're not familiar with them, you can go look them up. They have videos on how it works. Um, the, the pads are just the gel portion and what they are, it's like a grid. And if, if you put pressure on it, the grid will collapse. And so if you sit on it, then what happens is um, the, the parts of you that sink lower are going to collapse the gel and the parts of you that don't put as much pressure won't collapse the gel. And so it's only pushing back and supporting the parts that need support. Um, anyway, I've got my donut sitting on the purple pad and that has actually relieved a bunch of pressure in, in a really helpful way. Um, on, on a more, I guess, fun note, um, during a lot of this, I wound up listening to books on Audible. And that's something that I really enjoy anyway. 
Um, so I listened to a book series called the King Fountain series. Um, there are six books in the series. I had listened to the first three already. Um, he has another series that are called the Muirwood. I think that's what they're called. Uh, books. Anyway, if you look up Muirwood, M-U-I-R-W-O-D, um, you'll find it. Um, anyway, the, the world's crossover at the end of the sixth book in the King Fountain series. Um, in, in kind of a, what? I says a bit of a spoiler. Uh, yeah, I guess it is. You kind of see it coming because he, he, he throws hints at you through the whole thing that the world's crossover magically they cross over. Gotcha. And so, um, anyway, I really dig it. In fact, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's not that much of a spoiler because you start, you start reading it and you read between the lines and a couple of the, the things that, that he kind of drops hints I didn't pick up on until it happened. And in other parts, like the, the main villain eventually becomes, you know, the, the kind of magical villain from the other world. And, and that's really obvious. So anyway, um, but I, I really, really enjoyed those books. Um, they're by Jeff Wheeler. And uh, so I'm going to pick those as well. And then uh, one other pick, um, and this is just something that I have on my desk. Um, it's the traditional uh, Pomodoro timer. Mm. Um, so you, here we have egg timers. They look like eggs and you twist them. These, these are tomatoes. Pomodoro in Italian is tomato. And uh, anyway, um, I've been using the Pomodoro technique a bit to get work done. It's just nice because I can focus. And then if I really want to like play a game on my phone or check social media, I can do that but I have to do it on my breaks on Pomodoro. And so uh, that forces me to get a bunch of work done, which is awesome and you will all appreciate. So anyway, um, I'm going to, so I'm going to pick the Pomodoro timer. I got it off Amazon for like 10 bucks or 15 bucks, but yeah, anyway, so good stuff. Um, and yeah, thanks for coming Andrew and talking to me for a little bit. Of course. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think we'll talk tomorrow for Ruby rogues. Yeah, of course we will. All right, folks. Well, we will, uh, wrap this up and we will catch you all next week. Bye everybody. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.